Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Steve and Mark coming at you from the PBSC podcast today. It's great to be with you today. We've got a really cool topic that we're going to cover today, and it actually comes from a message that was sent in to us by one of our listeners. So we'll, uh, with uh, time being at a premium here, we'll just uh, jump right into it. So uh, this is what we we, uh, got from one of you. Uh, Mark and Steve, thanks for all the great information and content. You guys have made a huge difference for me in my recovery. I've recently come to the conclusion that my dad has a lot more to do with my addiction than I previously ever thought. I have a lot of respect for him, and he has a lot of social status in my church and community. But I've realized that very often he was a controlling tyrant during my childhood, which eventually manifested as a somewhat codependent relationship between us. I was always desperate for his approval, and he has a need to give orders withholding any kind of praise. My mom was also great at denying and invalidating my feelings after the frequent outbursts my dad would have. I eventually stumbled onto pornography as a dysfunctional way of dealing with my feelings. It has been a huge load off my shoulders to realize that I'm much more a product of my environment and not just a defective person. I realized that improving my relationship with my dad is key to my recovery. How do I approach him about this without letting out 20 years of anger and resentment? His approach to life is that anyone that can't solve their problems with willpower alone is just weak. What do I tell him then? How do I work through the codependency? Oh man, so much good stuff in there. Jeez, fifteen minutes. Where where do we where do we jump in on this feast? <laughs> now, when I saw that, when I saw his question, I was like, oh man, let me at it. Let me at it. <laughs> yes, yes. Because <laughs> I have so much to I have so much to say about that. <clears throat> yeah. Because I, you know, a lot of what he describes is very akin to my experience growing up. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I wanted to point out one thing right up front that I think is just so critical. <clears throat> he says at the end of uh, the first part, he says, I, it has been a huge load off my shoulders to realize that I'm much more a product of my, my environment than just a defective person. Yes, love that. And with everybody listening, whether you're in addiction, whether you're in, you're in healing from betrayal trauma, one of the first places, if, I, if you were to ask me, where do I start with this whole thing? I am a huge proponent that we begin to, to seek to remove shame out of the equation as quickly as possible. Absolutely. 
And I, I've, I've actually, a lot of the work I've done with my clients, especially, well, I was going to say, especially with addicts, but, but, you know, Steve, you and I, when we work with women who, uh, you know, have a spouse that's an addict, now we have betrayal trauma and a lot of women will start to take ownership for their husband's behaviors, for the failure in the marriage, for all the stuff that's happening. And a big part of what we do is helping women to realize this is not your fault. You did not cause this. You did not ask for this. You did not set this up. It's so huge to remove that shame, you know, for women to help them to heal. It's also very important to help the addict go through that process because Mm -hmm. our tendency, my tendency was that I took all of it upon myself. I was the opposite of a denier. Yeah, I was the one who said, it's all my fault. Every Mm -hmm. single aspect of why I'm an addict, every way I've screwed up, every crazy, disgusting way that I've acted out, it's all my fault. Mm -hmm. I did it alone. And it's just not true, right? And I'll take guys to an exercise. I say, okay, let's, how many of you came out of the womb a porn addict? Nobody ever raises their hand. I don't know. Maybe I did have a guy who was so shamed. He did. Yep. Right from birth. But most will say no. And we'll walk through the process and we'll talk about when they first had their first challenges and, you know, their, their first acting out. And as I walk them through the process, it becomes readily apparent that there were a whole host of issues, environmental issues, issues at home, issues with peers, issues with media, issues with you know, even genetic issues that you inherited from family. There are a hundred issues that are present in my addiction. It is not just me. Yeah. And it's so important to get to that place. No, it's, it's true. And we, you know, we talk on the program so much about betrayal trauma and how much this impacts a spouse. But the ironic thing is, is often what got us into this mess as addicts was our own trauma. Yes, our own right? trauma. Mm-hmm. The old stuff we'd been through, right? I mean, I was so many of the guys I work with, I, I mark, you, you and I both fall in this category as well. So much of our addictions stem from developing coping me- techniques that at the time were the best that we knew, right? It was the best that we knew how to deal with stuff. You know, porn and, and masturbation and other, other uh, ways of coping for me, you know, we're, we're the way to deal with everything from my dad's death to a lot of other things, right? We, we turn to these things as a way to uh, try to alleviate the pain. It's not a, like you said, it's not like we set out one day, hmm, how can I really screw up future relationships and how can I really hurt other people? You know, we, we just, we're doing our best to try to cope with stuff so many times and, and we, we, we start involving ourselves in stuff that is way beyond our capacity to even understand what we're dealing with. Well, and if you just go to some neuroscience, you know, we know in child psychology and brain development, a kid around the age of, you know, seven or eight develops a brain that is fully capable of feeling adult emotions. Yeah. We know that about the, about the, the pre-adolescent brain. I, I, I can feel like an adult literally mm-hmm. with my emotional brain. But then what about the capacity to understand those emotions, to make sense of them, to, to process through them? with logic and reason and to distance myself that doesn't come fully online for a lot of guys until they're in their mid twenties. Mm-hmm. So I started feeling all these adult emotions with full force when I'm seven and I can't straighten it out till I'm 23. And we wonder mm-hmm. why we turn to all of these things to cope along the way. 
in between yeah. those processes. So now, very, very plain, clear, we're going to, I'm going to shout this with a trumpet, you know, <laughs> we are not saying that this is an excuse for acting out. Mm, yeah. A lot of people are challenging. What are you saying, Mark? He's not responsible that this is, you know, that he shouldn't, you know, take, you know, take responsibility. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not an excuse, but it is an explanation. It Those is are very a, different. They're very different, right? Yep. And what it what it does mean, all you guys listening, is that I can be response hyphen able, able to respond to my circumstances today going forward. Yeah. That is where my response hyphen ability lies. Yeah. So just love that he said that. So important with his process forward. But let's jump into this thing with his dad. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, there was something he said right away in his first question that I immediately took issue with. I've realized that improving my relationship with my dad is key to my recovery. Mm. I don't uh, know that that's necessarily true. Mm. In fact, it might not be. In yeah. fact, that statement might be a statement that is reflective of just how deep the codependency is. Yes. Right. Can I have recovery without my dad? What if my relationship yeah. with my dad never gets better because he won't change and he refuses or for whatever circumstance, can I still have a fully healthy, awesome recovery? Yeah. Well, and I, th and I think, I think that the, the, the statement is a, is a, it is a true one in the sense that, yeah, I do need to repair that relationship as part of uh, recovery. I would say as that overall, of, yeah. And all, it may not be the thing to lead out with. So that's point number one, because we're going to talk about that in a second, but, the other piece of that is, is to our listener and other, you know, who sent this in and to all of you listening as well, is that there is going to be, there's going to have to be a dramatic paradigm shift in what quote unquote repairing that relationship looks like. Yeah. As soon as you said right. repairing the relationship, right. My brain's like, whoa, wait a second, Steve, let's talk about what that means. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, it's it really, it's going to have to, it's going to involve rebuilding a new relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Because re repair implies that we're going to go back to this place. Right. And we want to break we want to break you out of this approval place. Um, one of my favorite phrases is the following. I'm going to give you the G rated version. Opinions are like rear ends. Everyone has one and they usually stick. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and it's true. <clears throat> Um, as speaking as a not just recovering addict, but a recovering codependent, I really had a hard time with this concept, but it is so necessary in terms of keeping perspective when dealing with anybody else, right? Yes. Anytime I'm working with another person, it doesn't matter who they are in my life. It could be a colleague. It could be one of my clients. It could be a parent, right? At the end of the day, we, we, we definitely do take you know different people's input to different levels, depending on what standing they hold in our lives. But even those most intimate relationships should always be looked at through what? Through a lens of this person is sharing their reality with me. Yes. Their reality with me. No matter how smart or intelligent or whatever else they may be, this person is a broken, flawed individual. And in the parent in a parent-child relationship, it's an important step toward, you know, oftentimes we talk about the terrible teenager years and you know, kids get so rebellious and one of the many reasons why that happens developmentally is because children are trying to, albeit in dysfunctional ways, 
distance themselves from their parents. They are to try to create an independence on their own. Yes. Which, even though it's really dysfunctional, how most of us go about it, it there is a functional goal in mind, you know, in the brain trying to do that. At the end of the day, you know, dad or mom or whoever else it is in one's life, however important they may be, are absolutely entitled to their opinion, right? And we have to accept a couple of things when we're dealing with them. One, it's not my job, nor can I at the end of the day change that other person. Right. Right. That's 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 <clears throat> not in my purview. It's not in my capacity. And two, no matter where the input comes from, I should be taking it as just that input. It should be going through a filter of, okay, this person's sharing with me, as opposed to what we do in a codependent dynamic, which is what? Tell me what reality is. I'm going to, I'm going to take your reality and I'm going to subvert it in, in place of my own. Well, and that's why I would really <clears throat> reach out to this, uh, to this guy who, who's asking these questions. I would say, be careful about this concept of you know improving my relationship with my dad's the key to my recovery. Yes. That that can easily go right back to all this codependency you've you've felt all these years which means if I can finally measure up, if I can finally get sober, if I can finally eliminate these behaviors from my life, my dad will accept me. My dad yes. will approve of me. And if that all can happen, this will all be good. Mm-hmm. That just simply keeps us stuck in that codependency. It absolutely does. Right? Your ability to have a successful recovery, to be a successful person, to be happy and fulfilled and at peace within yourself is not dependent on what your dad thinks. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes I stole from Cool Runnings of all places. Oh, right? Cool Runnings. Yes. The yeah. Jamaican bobsled team. Absolutely. If you haven't watched that, it's a cardinal sin and you need to change. Go watch it. <laughs> but but uh, there's, a, there's a scene in there and, and then the quote comes from John Candy who plays the coach and he says something to the head of the team. He says, you know, he's talking about a gold medal, but it's good application for really codependency in general. He says, you know, a gold medal or in this case, someone's approval, right? Someone's stamp of approval is a great thing to have. But if you're not enough without it, you're never going to be enough with it. Yes, I it's love a, that. It's such a cool approach. It's very it's cool. so true when it comes to the, the key to breaking out of codependency is working on yourself to a degree where I'm able to show up in a relationship not requiring that approval of the other person, right? It's, and this is hard. We really do empathize with our listener because this is some of the hardest relationships to pull out of a codependent state are with, are with uh, parents. Oh, it's so hard. It and is. I can relate to what he's saying because I had this situation with my, with my mom yeah. uh, because I had a lot of resentment and anger toward her because of a lot of really lousy, crappy stuff that was done as a kid and as an adult. And I came to the place where I realized that my mom was not going to change. She wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't going to go get therapy. She wasn't going to go through her own recovery. It wasn't going to happen. Not because she's a bad person. You know, it's just because it was just, she was just so, so many decades and decades of being stuck that I realized I get to decide if I'm going to have a relationship with my mother Mm -hmm. and if I'm going to have that relationship, can I do so based on boundaries that work for me? Yeah. Now today I don't go into, uh, and my mom and I have a good relationship, but it isn't like the one that I wanted it to be decades ago. Yeah. Now it's, it has some boundaries and I, and I don't expect a whole bunch of stuff from her. 
-hmm. If I don't get affirmation or approval, or if she doesn't pay attention in the conversation or doesn't, you know, affirm me, it doesn't matter. It really truly doesn't matter today. I'm not there for that. I'm there because I'm her son and I know that, you know, she gets lonely and I want to show up and we have a very cordial, enjoyable relationship, but it's very different from what I thought I had to have, you know, way back when. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, we will validate the position guys. Every it's natural. It's normal. All of us start off by definition, a hundred percent codependent on our parents, right? Of course. (laughs) When you're a child, that's what the relationship is supposed to be. We look to them for everything food, shelter, security, right? How to live, how to not, how to whatever. Um, where we, it's when we get caught in these kinds of feedback loops, right? That we've got to really take it, take it a second to reevaluate. And there are a couple of ways to do that, right? Number one is going to be definitely developing out other sources of support. Very important. Right. Getting a balance in there. We have to, we have to surround ourselves with the phrase I often use with clients is if, start sticking with the winners, right? Mm. As you find or come across people in your life that that have an independence about them, right? That have the capability to stand emotionally on their own two feet and to lovingly look at people and say, thanks for your feedback, but this is what I'm doing anyway. Those are the people you're going to want to gravitate to, right? And be you know, opening up to them, connecting with them, modeling after them, looking to those things, and also finding other people who are going to validate you. Right. Yeah, because remember what you know, bless this guy's heart. I get it so much. The way he's been coming at this, his you know, most of his life is either seeing these things through his own eyes or his dad's eyes. Yeah. And what I would say is it's time to get another set of eyes. Mm-hmm. Invite other people who are healthy, other people who have gone through this process themselves, and start allowing yourself to put on their glasses. Mm-hmm. To start seeing all this through their their vantage point, their feedback. So yeah. important because, boy, it becomes so myopic. It's either me or my dad trying to come at this and look at it. Yes. And I can't, I can't get out of here in, in, with either of those vantage points. Mm-hmm. So outside exactly. support system. Now, I want to say something really important real quick. Just because we're, I'm saying that you know, his dad may not be the key to his recovery, sure. very likely isn't, it doesn't mean... That it, that, it, that it isn't important that he go back and begin to uncover these things. Sure. What we call doing the deep work. Let me get in touch with my trauma. What happened along the way, right? Mm-hmm. How did the things that my dad did hurt me? How did, it, how did it help form and build who I am today? It's really important that you do take a look at all of that. Yes. And so I'm not meaning to sweep that under the rug. That, that does matter. But how your dad responds or what he does going forward or how he chooses to, you know, to be or not to be does not control your recovery success. Yes, absolutely. And a good qualified therapist can obviously help with this. And we would definitely recommend, you know, when you're dealing with issues like codependency, they run very deep and, and doing that work just solo can be very difficult to navigate. And, Almost impossible, actually. Yeah. So involving, involving a third party professional would be a really good a really good thing. But as we, you know, as uh, just in terms of kind of giving some initial tools here, one of the things that you're going to want to be aiming for is what, what I call a global acceptance of your dad. It's one of the ways mm. we, I talk about in my practice of, of breaking out of codependency, because yes. when you're looking, when you're looking to your father, for example, or a parent or anybody for the, a wife, spouse, whatever, when we're looking to them as an exclusive source of approval, we are accepting the good parts of them, but we are we are doing so selectively. 
we're not also accepting the fact that however good this person is, however much good they may bring into my life or how many good things they may do, I also have to accept that, that the fact that they are human, that they're flawed, right? And that they're subject to the same fallacies and weaknesses that anybody else is. Mm-hmm. And if I really do accept that, in turn, then I should be taking these things through that filter that we talked about earlier, right? If I'm really going to truly love and accept another person, it means accepting the wholeness of them, which even if they don't accept that. <laughs> right. right. And, and we say a funny, strange thing on here sometimes. We say being able to be in that relationship and, quote, not take it personal. Yeah. Which sounds ridiculous because you're like, well, that's as personal as it gets. This is yeah. my dad. But I got to the place where my mom and I, we have a great relationship today. I will tell you because I don't take her personal comments she makes, what she says or doesn't say, old stuff that she does that she did when I was small that hurt my feelings. I don't take any of that personal anymore. That's mm. just her. I meet her where she is and it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't control where I'm at. Yeah. You know, we talk, Steve, about this concept of intimacy, right? And I, of course, we all laugh because I always hyphen it, you know, into me, you see, you know, if we're going to enjoy intimacy, it means that I'm going to allow myself to be seen. I'm going to show up and be transparent and vulnerable, take off the masks, not worry about what you think of me or whether you're going to approve of me, dad. Mm-hmm. Here's me, dad, with no mask, no filter, no nothing. Here it is. What you see is what you get. Yeah. That's, and to get to that place where I can actually feel healthy in that kind of showing up in authenticity and vulnerability is huge. Yes. Absolutely. And that's not something this guy is going to be able to do, I suspect, on his own or over a short period of time. Correct. So there's a lot of elements that go into eventually being able to show up with his dad that way. Yeah. I didn't get to that relationship with my mom overnight. I had to do a ton of recovery work and healthy living work so that yes. I could then eventually show up with her that way. Yeah. So I think what we're also uh, the advice to this guy is don't, don't, uh, I would recommend don't try to make this big giant attempt with your dad here early on. It may be that there needs to be some distancing of some kind. Sure. Absolutely. Maybe a break where there's not much interaction at all. Yeah. While you work out becoming healthy yourself so that you can then come back and do it in a much better, different, you know, coming from a, a healthy angle that mm-hmm. you can't do today. You can't come at your dad with who you are today. You got to go change. You got to go, go through a change and transformation to then come back at it and try again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Gosh, there's so much more we could say on this topic. We, we, we better wrap up here, but there's always, <laughs> gosh, there's, there's lots to do, but we appreciate everybody tuning in as always. Uh, as, as as you guys know, we we love running this podcast. We love coming to you, you each week. We do have an online program for people, not just for couples, but also for individuals and going through the recovery process. Doesn't take a willing a willing spouse to be in there. Uh, it's called Dare to Connect. We uh, meet with clients on an interactive online based level uh, for for group sessions, is what we'll call them. It's not therapy, but sessions where we answer questions, get on real with you three times a week. Uh, we'd love to have you come and join us. You can check that out at www.daretoconnectnow.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it, right? It's a wrap for today. Right. We'll see you next time on PBSE. Okay. Have a great week, everybody.
Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.